Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And I'd like to uh, begin today by thanking Toby O for sending in a donation to uh, help with the expenses here in the salon. So uh, thank you very much, Toby. I realize that uh, we are entering some difficult financial times ahead, and uh, so your donation means a, a, a lot to me. Appreciate it. Now, uh, the talk we're about to hear right now is uh, from a cassette tape in the Timothy Leary archive that said it was recorded at the Future of Freedom conference in 1981, which uh, means that it took place about five years after uh, Dr. Leary was released from prison. And while I again have to uh, apologize for the quality of the recording, we should keep in mind that uh, back in 1981, the portable tech we had to record these things was sadly lacking when compared with the state of the art today. But fortunately for us, uh, Dr. Leary turned on his uh, tape recorder when this talk began, and uh, so you and I can now time travel back to that noisy little room in Southern California back in 1981. Uh, you're going to have to work a bit to uh, pull out everything Dr. Leary says because uh, there apparently was no sound system in the room. So you'll be hearing this talk the same way the people in the room heard it that day. But uh, I think it's worthwhile to uh, suffer through a little static noise in order to hear what uh, one of our elders was saying 25 years ago that influenced so many young people and uh, probably played a role of some kind in getting us all to where we are today. So, I hope you find this talk uh, as interesting as I have. Now, Dr. Timothy Leary speaking about freedom. Something uh, to touch the tender nerve endings of those uh, 
I'm not too enthusiastic about freedom. You know that uh, you're succeeding somehow. I personally have always felt that um, if I wasn't in trouble, I must be in trouble. <laughs> um, we, we are a special breed in this room uh, without getting too far into the sociobiology or genetics of the situation. Uh, I think we are a special cast. I think we are a special... Uh, function uh, of human beings. I think we're wired, fired, sired, inspired by the DNA code to play a particularly valuable role in the overall evolution of our species. Uh, I, it's obvious that uh, we're not a great majority. I think that um, libertarians and freedom lovers and uh, troublemakers, frontier people, uh, are necessary for any gene pool or any uh, species of any culture. Uh, it's also necessary, of course, to have uh, people that, uh, that don't want um, too much freedom, that want control. I looked up in the dictionary just last night uh, uh, the definition of the word liberty and freedom, and uh, it's always fun to realize how uh, clear it comes out in the etymology. Uh, liberty is... Uh, negatively defined as the absence of constraint or control by someone else. The second definition is that liberty is the, uh, the ability to make choices or options. Uh, but, uh, there are, uh, we vary as human beings in our uh, desire to uh, avoid constraint. And uh, there are a lot of people who simply don't want to have too many choices. Now, I think it's our function to uh, to reassure, to demonstrate, to illustrate, to shock, to electrify, and everything we can to tell the rest of our species uh, that uh, they can be free, and it's secure to be free, and it's fun to be free, and it's uh, uh, intelligent to be free. I, I personally, uh, I have to be free. Uh, it seems ironic for me to say that because I've spent five years in military service. <laughs> I've spent four years in, uh, in prisons. <laughs> I've been on parole for six years. I'm still on parole. Uh, I spent 20 years uh, as a student uh, at the mind-captivating uh, institutions that are primary schools, universities. So uh, I've certainly paid my dues. <laughs> as I'm sure you have. Uh, but uh, many people are afraid to be free. Uh, they're afraid that if liberty were to sweep through the land, uh, something, they would lose something. Or there are many people that just don't trust themselves enough to be free. Uh, I consider myself eminently trustworthy as far as freedom is concerned. I have no desire uh, to go around raping and looting because that's simply a dumb thing to do. I think the, the, the person who chooses the freedom option has to have that uh, sense of trust and confidence. And you know, uh, I just don't want to, to hurt anyone else because I know that then they're going to come back hurting me. I above all do not want to control or imprison or restrain them because after twenty years in schools and four years in prisons and five years in the army, um, I well know that the controllers are really in trouble. That's, and they can never take their eye off the victim. Uh, he's always using to be in prison. 
I learned a great deal that prison, prison is a luxury. No, it's a, uh, unfortunately, it's wasted. I think people don't know how to use it. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I remember so often sitting around in a prison yard, really that total luxury of time. I didn't have to, uh, any rent, I didn't have to any phone call, I didn't have to worry about erections, I didn't have to worry about bills, I didn't have to, uh, uh, I didn't enjoy the sunshine, maybe do the athletics, read, write. Uh, and I look up and there they seem to have done this. All we're watching this would be the poor guys that were in control. I think that uh, we who belong to the libertarian caste, uh, as I said before, are playing an important function. I think at different times in history were more important than others. I think right now in history were critically, critically, crucially important to our species. And uh, I do believe that although we are on the frontier, the eccentric, uh, far out uh, fringe of uh, human aspirations for liberty, uh, there's a lot of closet libertarians out there. And it's our function. Everyone, almost everyone, wants to be a little freer than they are. So that uh, although our numbers at the moment may not appear to be that great, uh, we've got the groundswell, the enormous uh, uh, energy uh, bank waiting for us, the aspiration that we're going to do it freer. Now, uh, I'd like to say a few words about, uh, talk about the sociology of who we are and what our function is. I like to talk about the, the neurogeography of freedom, and many of you have heard me say this before, but uh, I think that a look at history, a look at sociology, uh, just a trip around the globe right now will convince you that for the last four or five thousand years, human intelligence, human freedom, the libertarian impulse has been moving in an unbroken line from uh, east to west. Uh, so we assembled here in this room at the most far out, far west room. <laughs> uh, congratulations, we made the long trip. <laughs> it is wonderful, you know, to think that every one of us in this room owes our presence uh, in this great country, free country, America, and uh, in this room today uh, to the uh, foremothers and forefathers who had the sense in the past to realize that the intelligent thing to do was to migrate rather than stay back and fight. You're a, a migrator. <laughs> Another thing that I was interested in, this is one of the space people, uh, you understand what my interest in the space movement, uh, I spent <laughs> three and a half years in prison yards watching the birds come and go. <laughs> and at that point, I realized that mobility and altitude were dimensions of intelligence and freedom. <laughs> uh, now, it's uh, simply true that uh, the farther east you go today, uh, the, uh, the going back in time, you're going down intelligence, and there's less and less freedom. It's a, it's a perfect linear correlation. The farther east you go, the more reliance there is upon paternalism, uh, statism, uh, the less regard there is for individuality. The concept of individuality never exists at all in most of the East and the Middle East. It's something that has to be rooted out and stamped out and uh, imprisoned in every way. Um, it's been a great trip, though, coming uh, uh, 
needs to let you remember uh, great moments of human history. You remember back in Athens, so people were meeting just as we are meeting today to speculate, to debate, uh, to uh, philosophize, to plan tactics and strategy for how to uh, improve human freedom. It's a great Socratic, uh, Athenian. Uh, there's no accident, you see, why, why it works out in a place like Athens or Long Beach become. <laughs> the desires of freedom at that particular time. The Athens were, the Athenians were, of course, the western frontier of civilization as it ended back then. And uh, instead of Washington, D.C., uh, east of England, <laughs> they had versions of that loaded somewhere. Uh, it, for those of us in the freedom game, it's the navigation, of course, wasn't clear. We have always found the tax collector east of us, haven't we? <laughs> we have always found the secret police east of us, and so forth. So the Athenians were there, and they had no danger of the technology of freedom. The, the Athenians had a lot of things going for them. They were on the frontier, as far away as they could get at that time from the Boston back in the Middle East. And because of the geography, uh, Peninsulas of Greece, uh, they, they tended to be navigators. Uh, now, people that voyage, that migrate, uh, uh, they have to trust themselves. They have to have a, a free intelligence. They can't rely upon the book or the manual and so forth, or the Bible, or the call it. Uh, when you get out there in your, uh, your, uh, your ships, uh, you've got to study the stars, you've got to become smarter, you've got to uh, get as much info as you can, you've got to listen to other people. Uh, when you're out there a lot, you're very happy to have your mind changed. <laughs> some of them tell you how they've done before. So these are some of the main things that the, the Greeks had going for them in the way of neurotechnology. Uh, they simply were uh, voyagers, uh, frontiers people. Um, it moved from Greece, of course, to uh, the, um, the uh, Enlightenment in Italy and in France and uh, in England, rights of man, so-called. And then the great movement upward uh, to the uh, eastern city of the United States and then across the plains. Uh, the, uh, the obvious trajectory has been uh, to uh, the trick of human intelligence and loudness to get as far away from the man as you can. <laughs> <laughs> and freedom is uh, something that really exists. Uh, almost exclusively, openly, uh, luridly, publicly, on the western frontier. And uh, when we think about the tactics of, uh, um, of libertarianism, I'm convinced that we're never going to change, uh, you know, Tehran. <laughs> they are not having libertarian meetings in Tehran right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not in Belfast either. Uh, uh, I think that 5,000 years from now, when we, life extended, space migrating libertarians, uh, come back uh, to planet Earth on vacations and see what's going on in the old world, uh, we'll still find them in Tehran, they're riding and overthrowing the local shower and themselves and so forth. Uh, <laughs> but the smart Iranians, the freemer Iranians, will be with us. I'm convinced now that I'm Irish. I'm convinced that the, uh, the smartest Irish and true loving Irish have long since left Ireland. The true loving and delicate Iranians have left Iran. They're buying up most of Beverly Hills. 
that comforts me because it means that we're all together and uh, we on the Western Frontier are the forward for all of our species and uh, certainly the terrains are going to be open to, to all input. Um, well, uh, we're talking about the future of freedom and technology. Um, there's only one technology of freedom. Comes in forms and packages and brand labels and so forth. There's only one technology, and it's the human brain, right? Uh, human intelligence uh, is the um, is the key. Uh, you have to be intelligent to be free. Certainly, Jefferson taught us that, or Mother taught us that. The wonderful thing about uh, freedom is that uh, you know uh, you never have it more than a second. And uh, you continue to have to changing your mind, moving, looking around. Uh, it's the glory of, of freedom. Uh, we in the freedom business are now uh, coming into our own. There's no question of it. Libertarians are, I think, we're more intelligent. Many men show the mystery, but you know, like I said before, you simply have to be smart to be free. And most people uh, don't want to take responsibility to be free. Uh, my God, you know, it is difficult uh, uh, to have to uh, maintain a libertarian position. I can understand why uh, people are giving up and surrendering and turning over all their problems to the man or to someone. That, you know, we listen to, uh, to great theologians like uh, Terry Bradshaw or uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan and... Uh, <laughs> they tell us we have to serve someone, or they have to, you know, they pray in the huddle, or uh, <laughs> Jesus is going to save, save us and bail us out of the mix. I think mean, that there is, we all have that button in our nervous system. Uh, uh, I think it has to do with the aging circuits. No question of it. We all have built into our nervous system circuits of submission. You know. uh, forget it. Give up. You know. Sorry, it is difficult to be a libertarian and get up in the morning, every morning, and figure it all out. <laughs> so, you know, once you catch on with the game, you know, no one's going to solve the problems or explain it to us. We've got to rediscover gravity and levity <laughs> every day. Uh, we've got to keep changing your mind. It is exhausting, but it's also stimulating. And it's also rejuvenating because uh, you are as old as the last time you changed your mind. <laughs> but it's a great time for we libertarians. Uh, throughout human history, uh, we libertarians uh, have always been a minority. Uh, we've been necessary, though, because we think for ourselves. We're the, we're the ones that always bail the species out. Uh, when we're hunter-gatherers, um, um, you know, uh, people were praying, they were sacrificing animals, and sacrificing human beings, worshiping bongo bongo with God and so forth. But the libertarians, it was the smart ones, the independent thinkers, who figured out how to shape the flints to make better uh, knives and so forth. When it became uh, agricultural time, again, uh, they were telling us you have to submit and be controlled by the priests who uh, teach you from the Bible. So it was the libertarians, the independent thinkers, who uh, figured out the irrigation ditches and put seeds with plant, which uh, uh, fruits and so forth. They always call us out of the closet when they need us. And uh, 
because they know they, of course, being the ones who are assigned genetically to perform the very valuable function holding them together and discarding change. Because the state change, which you know, has to be you know, checked, you have to prove that you deserve the liberty. But in times of crisis, they always have to call on us. And they never like this because we are undependable. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're simply not loyal uh, because we change our mind. We keep fighting. We're loyal only one thing, and that's the, 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 the freedom of truth, the freedom of new ideas. Um, so, uh, throughout human history, the libertarian class, the, 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 the frontier people, we've always been kind of behind the, behind the curtains, and uh, uh, it's, been, it's usually been dangerous, you know, to go around talking too much freedom. It's still as dangerous today, I'll tell you. Isn't it? <laughs> It has always been dangerous, and it's dangerous in most uh, places in the world today, in parts of the United States today, to actually talk about libertarianism. Um, but um, in the last 20 years in this country, there's been a tremendous uh, process of liberation. And uh, I, I listened to the Shulman's talk this morning about that, and Bradman's uh, uh, concepts of discovering itself. The technology of, of, of freedom is, of course, the discovery uh, and the actualization of the self. The notion that Socrates developed uh, in 300 years before uh, our era. Um, the, uh, when they talk about self-reliance, self-discovery, self-actualization, self-assertion, I do think we should include self-indulgence. <laughs> Life 
liberty and security. <laughs> the Canadian Indians will be heading south soon. <laughs> um, there are more freedom-loving people and intelligent freedom engineers running around today, freedom technologists running around today. More, of course, there are more very There are more. There are more looters and rapers and more Canadian with hunter uh, gatherers around. It simply is more of everything. But uh, there are tremendous signs of, uh, uh, of optimism for those free and intelligent enough to be optimistic. For example, Omni Magazine has become, in just two years, uh, a, uh, the most, uh, fat, the fastest growing magazine in the country dedicated to the application of, uh, of human intelligence and uh, and um, scientific beauty. And, and it's a wonderful combination of, of erotic science. <laughs> For the last few years, I've seen one of my roles is to try to eroticize the scientist and scientize the eroticists. It's interesting that we often don't pay tribute, of course, publicly uh, and should to the people that are really in charge of the return movement for other women. It's interesting that. Uh, <laughs> I read the way I could, but... <laughs> <laughs> the Omni Magazine uh, was originated uh, by a woman, Kathy Keaton, and uh, she's uh, uh, made it, uh, I say, a glorious testament for, for the racial human intelligence. Uh, the Scientific American, uh, the uh, various uh, returning organs that are spinning up, it's, it's a wonderful time for us, and we've never been uh, so badly needed. And uh, I predict that the next meeting of this group will be twice as uh, large and uh, twice as uh, significant. Uh, I think that uh, in talking about libertarianism, we should uh, stress the fact that uh, liberty is, is inexorably intertwined with intelligence, and uh, that uh, we are the referring intelligence agent. And, uh, that, uh, and again, it's fascinating that in the last two decades, every single branch of science has uh, experienced an incredible breakthrough, which involved more freedom. Uh, now, next Wednesday at UCLA Neuropsychiatric Institute, am I correct? Yeah. Uh, Four o'clock, Ilya Prigogine uh, is speaking. Now, he's a very interesting person, he's a Nobel Prize in chemistry, but he's done a very liberating thing. He has repealed the second law of thermodynamics. Isn't that correct? And if there was ever, if there was ever a restraining, controlling, imprisoning concept in physics, it was the second law of entropy. Why well, bother? It's all. To uh, just um, end up uh, some meaningless zero. Well, as you probably know, his uh, theory of dissipative structure uh, shows that, uh, that uh, energy at higher levels can reassociate, and uh, that's what evolution is all about. Now, the very word dissipative structure that has not been named the new punk rock band. <laughs> <laughs> 
gives a Nobel Prize winner, you know, saying, listen, we're not controlled and shackled by the uh, laws of all these laws. Why do they call them laws anyway? It was like, you know, the laws of gravity. What would repeal that? It's that 19th century, uh, uh, you know, place of Protestant desire to get everything and biblical and so forth, laws, laws, laws. But uh, I'm glad I didn't know that we didn't play the thermodynamics. In genetics, again, what a liberation. Uh, the greatest uh, enemy of human liberty, uh, the greatest terror, the thing that has coerced us and pushed us into stupidities and has seduced us into self-imposed captivities is, of course, the fear of aging and death. And I'm uh, sure you're well aware of the fact that in the last uh, 10, 15 years, our scientists have finally decoded uh, the Rosetta Stone of life DNA, and uh, our promising is that within uh, after 10 years, we will uh, um, be able to clone yourself. Now, I call that liberating. That's <laughs> <laughs> very interesting. Uh, the forces of control and restraint I was trying to make it uh, a scary world. And uh, you know, national security, every time you hear that word national security, the word security, watch out, someone's going to take some of your freedom away, right? <laughs> um, uh, the uh, the uh, controllers, and again, I'm not putting them down, they're part of us, uh, they're playing their, it's our job as frontier people to stirring them up, uh, but they always try to make science and freedom and intelligence uh, dangerous and sinful. For example, every time uh, they uh, make a movie about some free person that has a new idea, like cloning, for example, what does that scientist clone? Does uh, he clone a uh, hundred Farrah or a hundred Mozarts? No, a hundred Hitlers. Well, why? Because uh, the average person has been taught to think that cloning is terrible because my goodness, uh, they wouldn't want a hundred of them running around. <laughs> well, I personally think it would be a great thing if there were a hundred Timothy Learys. Mind so that you can adapt to the environment. 
and you see what's changing taking place. In the 1950s, incredible liberation took place in that very basic concept of psychology, led by such flamboyant anarchists as Carl Rogers and Rollo May and, and uh, Maslow uh, and Brandon and so forth. Um, this, this third force of psychology, the humanist movement psychology, with the notion of the inner potential, the notion of potential didn't exist when I was being trained in psychology. The idea that you could go within yourself, and when yourself, you were finding a, a cesspool of dinosaur homicidal, late destroying unconscious uh, <laughs> sewage and so forth. So that uh, this, uh, this tremendous liberating revolution psychology is, is, is again part of the ground swell uh, that we're all the great surf, the, the, the way that we're surfing, because uh, we've all been a little bit liberated by that. They, uh, they suddenly discovered that you know, Heisenberg, they called the Heisenberg indeterminism. Now, now that's again a negative for indeterminism. Well, I call the Heisenberg determinism <coughs> concept. Why? Well, no, uh, the problem is that um, the experimenter is always uh, you know, creating or fabricating experiments so that the experimenter is always in it. In other words, the experiment is not something that was dreamed up by the scientist and therefore a system. Well, that's wonderful. That's not good. That's limited. That means that they now say that the universe is a state of mind. That the universe is a, is a um, an information theory. The universe is simply a, uh, an enormous net brains, you know, sending signals. And, uh, and the function of the scientist, the function of the free intelligent human being is to, uh, to, uh, you know, to carve out of that uh, uh, flux of quantum foam the people rallying want. So that we're getting now to the, the freedom of ontology. Well, who, the notion of multiple reality, which has developed uh, in the last 10 or 50 years, the drug movement, and then Castaneda, who polished it up and made it acceptable. Uh, <laughs> Castaneda should get the Nobel Prize for fiction, right? <laughs>
I realize it's simply going to be cheaper in 10, 15 years to have four and a half acres in the house up there than it is in the outskirts of Long Beach. <laughs> because I had to have the uh, the Oasis and the L5 people, uh, you know, do the hardware uh, board stuff to show us me and everyone else that off the shelf technology is going to get us out there. I simply don't understand how many intelligent person cannot be uh, a space migrant. Uh, we in the space migration movement think of ourselves now as kind of a rounded space. We're post-terrestrials and we simply got to get right together and build a bus or build a ground and get us up there. I come by my space migration impulses. Uh, uh, I think I've earned them. Uh, I've always wanted to get as high as possible. <laughs> because of, no question, but from high altitude, uh, you simply see more. The trick is a navigational patrol. Smooth <laughs> <laughs> to crash. <laughs> Don't get lost in the fog <laughs> without some instrumental kind of like. But they, um, <coughs> when I talk about space, I'm say the morals. Uh, it's those moralists that are always trying to shock free. Uh, they're always trying to make it, you know, signs of libertarians and, you know, do terrible things or something that morally. I guess we don't have a sense of sin. Is that why? We can afford to be libertarians? And oftentimes, when I used to debate space with people, uh, they said, why you're an escapist? How dare you try to go off up there in the skies? White fight to the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to stay down here in the water and fight with the dolphins and the sharks. And you're an escapist. You say, what? Damn right, I'm an escapist. <laughs> <laughs> with Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and the, the, all the people that we, we followed uh, along the path. Um, I was very proud of that at one time. Uh, I was in prison and moved me around. I was actually 39 jails in prison and four comments and uh, <laughs> my libertarian convention. Uh, <laughs> without the American Express card. <laughs> they moved me from jail to jail and when they get me into jail, I was a kind of you know, curiosity and when they put me in the holding cell they take me on the uh, jacket and my jacket. <laughs> and they go through it and like this and uh, all the wire traps and all that like that. And on the, on the outside of my head, my jacket, big red letters, the words escape, risk. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> Some people genetically uh, uh, selected for such uh, time travel backwards uh, <laughs> will, will in, infiltrate and, uh, and try to decentralize a little bit back there in the east. But you're never going to decentralize New York City. Really, you can't decentralize an insect hive. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to decentralize uh, 
Caracas, which is, you know, then a bureaucratic center of a, or you're never going to drive into a de decentralized Moscow and so forth. It's almost unfair to go back there and to, uh, to uh, we should send signals back there so that the freedom-loving Iranians and freedom-loving uh, Parisians uh, join us here in the frontier. We need them. But let's face it, the, the, the ethics of courtesy of libertarianism, I mean, we've got to get a new frontier, we've got to get new open spaces to try out the new uh, experiments in, in different lifestyles or different social styles and economics. You're never going to let the IRS. You don't give up their money? You know where it's one, one classic room of human nature is that it's rarely happened. Uh, Freedom uh, does uh, life on the frontier, and uh, it's, it's any freedom-loving person has got to get you some more energies to, to help. And I'm so happy and thrilled and proud and liberated by the fact that uh, the uh, space migration people, Oasis, are here today uh, because one of the problems with the space people, the aerospace people, is that it's so hardware technological that they're always talking about uh, moon bugs, right? <laughs> you know? And that's necessarily wonderful, but somehow they lose uh, inside the fact that uh, space migration is simply the sexiest, most glamorous, wonderful thing ever thought of by human uh, uh, imagination. So I'm glad uh, to see this uh, beginning of, uh, of a communication and interaction uh, interfacing of space and uh, libertarianism. And once this work gets back to the space migration movement, uh, I think the seeds of this union are going to, uh, this impregnation, or this conception, <laughs> is going to bear wonderful fruit in the future. Um, well, I've talked about space migration. Uh, Intelligence in Greece, uh, we've got to get smarter. The smart thing to do for any smart person who's straight it all out is to get smarter. The intelligent thing to do is to get more intelligent. Uh, now, how do you get more intelligent? Well, there are many different ways. One of the ways to get more intelligent, of course, is migrate. Uh, move, move your body around. And where, migrate where? Migrate where there are people that are as intelligent or more intelligent than you. Because like tenants and lovemaking, uh, intelligence increasing is done better with a partner and is better at it than you. <laughs> now, um, we get to intelligence and creeks. I've said already that libertarians are smarter. I think we've got to get a lot smarter. Uh, we've got to use, you know, uh, there is the concept of libertarianism, it was a, one concept of hippieism too, that the way to be free is to lay back, baby, and don't get involved, and uh, to get a little cave, a little out cabin, and uh, hunting fish, and a little like that. That's nice, because uh, you have the luxury of, uh, living a paleolithic life in the, in the 20th century. And black people are doing that because uh, we can watch them and uh, listen to them and they're going to learn things. But let's face it, the future of the human race and human freedom is not uh, going away from technology. Uh, we've got to get a lot more uh, skillful in our technology. Uh, you know, the, the uh, neurology, brain research, uh, psychopharmacology, uh, I know you want me to say a word or two about drugs, so this is my obligatory <laughs> drug commercial. <laughs> um, 
I'm basically pro drugs. Uh, why? Because uh, drugs give you need more options. Uh, now, I'm not pro one drug, I'm pro freedom of drugs. In the body, the brain is above all the concern, the responsibility of one person, you. And no one, including me, has the right to tell you, you know, do this or do that. You make suggestions, we can pass on navigation tips. But uh, the, the frontiers of freedom are in the body and in the brain. And the human DNA is interesting, gets into abortion, gets into some other that frontier where it starts. And unless you realize that freedom starts at your skin and it goes within, I think you miss the great dimension. It's interesting, too, that uh, uh, we can only go as far outward as we have gone inward. And if you study the, uh, the sociology of inner and outer space in the last 20 years, at the, the time when America was really uh, thrusting upward and we were uh, putting uh, our, our own sea on the moon, uh, the height of the space program outward was the height of the inner space movement. People running around, uh, going farther than every man had gone before within the, the, the streets and universes of their own, uh, of their own brain. And this is not an accident because uh, uh, as soon as the uh, inner space movement began to look cool out and this relax for a while, the outer space movement, so that uh, the pursuit of, uh, of the new uh, the circuits and the new realms, the new frontiers of the brain, uh, which are going to involve the intelligent use of drugs by those who want to do this as a form of liberation, is part of the package. I'm sure most of you uh, understand that we are not. The final thing I mentioned is life extension. Um, the sub um, uh, doctor uh, Roy Walter of UCLA uh, two nights ago. Uh, he's one of the world's leading uh, immunologists, uh, DNA theorists, and uh, they're going to have an inoculation against aging death in two to five years. So, now, how can you be a libertarian and not want to live for a hundred more years? Uh, it's interesting, see, most of the anti freedom control forces. It's all based on insecurity, uh, fear, and the uh, fact that you're not going to have much of a chance. And, you know, most people, even in the 20th century, even in America, even in California, still think they have one shot at rationing. One career. Or maybe a, a midlife crisis and <laughs> you can get a divorce and then you another job. But <laughs> um, imagine, you know, we can tell people, since our function libertarians, to tell people, hey, you have space. You can have four and a half acres up there. Cheaper than just get ready. Help us in the space movement. And in 10 or 15 years, you'll be able to swap your uh, half an acre in San Diego for four and a half acres up there. Cost you time to die just the way you want it. We've got to tell them freedom is wonderful. Freedom is, is, uh, is practical. Freedom is glamorous. Freedom is and you can live. How about 100 years? Well, 100 years more? This one had a liberating. 100 years more? Well, phew, oh boy, I had to take five years off and uh, serve. Uh. <laughs> You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time.
Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Maybe uh, we should all take the next five years off and surf. Uh, actually, uh, that's probably what we should have been doing these last eight years for all the good they've done us. But that's another story. However, before I say anything else, I, I first want to assure my friends and relatives in Ireland that I definitely do not agree with Dr. Leary when he uh, said that uh, he was Irish and that uh, all of the smartest Irishmen had already left the land. Uh, the reason that my grandfather left the old sod was to find work. Now things are different. Uh, at least until recently, there were better jobs for smarter people in Ireland than there were here in the States. So uh, I hope that all of our fellow saloners who don't live in California don't take offense at uh, what I suspect was being said in jest. That said, uh, I could no longer imagine myself living anywhere else other than uh, on the California coast. It's, uh, it's a truly different vibe out here. But uh, let's not get started down that rabbit hole. Uh, ultimately, the best place to live on this little planet is uh, wherever it is that you are most comfortable. Feel at home and uh, have as much freedom as you need to uh, keep from going crazy. Another reason I decided to play this particular talk by Dr. Leary today is because from what I gather from uh, the various forums over at thegrillreport.com and from my own email during uh, last year's never-ending political campaigning, is that there are a, a lot of libertarians among us. Now, while I, I don't subscribe to any particular uh, political party's philosophy, I do agree that there is uh, much about libertarianism that I, I like. And, uh, and while Timothy Leary probably wasn't speaking uh, specifically about the Libertarian Party as such, he, uh, he seems to have been in tune with uh, much of what that party stands for today. As for his uh, thoughts about space migration... Well, I, I think I've probably covered that enough times now to let you know that I don't think space migration is uh, something we humans should be uh, spending our time on. And if you want to learn why I think that way, then uh, take a listen to a conversation that I had with Bruce Damer on this topic uh, a couple of years ago. It's in a standalone podcast that I did at matrixcast.com. And uh, that's a little project I've had to put on the back burner until I finish my book. But the one talk I've posted there so far will give you uh, a lot of background information on the topic of uh, space migration, moon bases, and uh, other fantasies that are going to cost the U.S. taxpayers a, a significant amount of money <laughs> with uh, probably no return. Nonetheless, uh, this time I, I didn't cut out the parts where he went on about space migration because uh, it actually was an important part of his message during the last decade or so of his life. Man, what I'd give right now to uh, be able to record a conversation between Tim Leary and Bruce Damer about space migration. Uh, wouldn't that be fascinating? But uh, getting back to our old consensus reality here, let's uh, get to a couple of emails that you may want to know about. The first comes from uh, Gregory S., who writes, Hi, Lorenzo. I discovered the salon a while back, and it has been a miracle for me, reconnecting with things that I thought were only a part of my past. I've been seeking others who can think psychedelically and uh, be willing to engage. After uh, years in the academic world, I thought that these interest areas of my life would forever be on the shelf. Thanks for renewing my passion in the expansion of consciousness. Uh, then he says where he lives, and he goes on. And I would like to connect with others in my area. Can you suggest a group or website that might let me find some like-minded individuals to interact with? Thanks again. My contact information is below. 
Well, Gregory, the uh, reason I picked your email to read uh, is because it's uh, representative of so many others that come in uh, each week. And uh, we talk about that quite often in the various forums uh, out in the growreport.com. And while I still don't have any surefire answers, uh, I have started experimenting a little with uh, Facebook and Twitter to uh, see if there might be a way to begin connecting through the use of those social networking platforms. I'm still feeling my way around, but uh, thanks to the help of uh, fellow saloner Joanna D., who I believe uh, joins us from Russia each week. Uh, I've now changed the spelling of my first name on Facebook to the way it should be spelled, L-O-R-E-N-Z-O. Thanks for the help, Joanna. Appreciate it. Of course, uh, I still have no idea about how these technologies are going to help us find and connect with the others in our local areas, but at least this is uh, a little start. For my part, I'm going to post something on Twitter every day where I'm following about 10 people who are also following me. Right now, I'm thinking of using uh, Twitter and Facebook announcements to let you know what new podcasts I'm listening to, because uh, the rate at which interesting new podcasts are coming online is just uh, too fast to mention them all here in the salon. And through that program, I discovered the podcasts and uh, music of Jesse Miller. So I took a look at his Mystic Mind podcast channel on iTunes and was uh, really impressed at the number of programs and the topics that he covers. Now, I haven't had a chance to uh, listen to him yet, but uh, I plan on doing so this weekend. But from what I heard in the interview with Cody uh, and Jesse, uh, I I know that he's somebody who has uh, ideas I'd like to hear more about. So over time, I'll be... uh, uh, broadcasting, I guess you'd call it, twittering short comments about those and uh, other podcasts I listen to, and and uh, as well as uh, letting you know what I'm working on myself for a podcast. And uh, I'll be posting other stuff that way, too, like uh, a few pictures I begin to uh, put up on Facebook lately. But uh, to answer your question, Gregory, I, I guess that this is just another stall, because uh, right now I still don't know of any safe way to find the others in your area. As I've said in the past, uh, while I found many others at various conferences and festivals I've attended, uh, very few of them have been physically close to where I live. And uh, so a a good many of my psychedelic friends, uh, almost all of them actually, live long distances from where I am. But uh, all you really need is to have uh, one or two psychedelic friends close by, and the rest you can stay in touch with over the net. It's not the best of situations, but uh, at least it's a big improvement over what we had working for us just uh, a few years ago. Another email comes from Evan J., who says in part, First, I would like to thank you for taking the time to produce these podcasts. I'm a 20-year-old college student trying to find my place in the universe. I was first introduced to Terrence through these podcasts, and my life hasn't been the same since. I know what you mean, Evan. Uh, After hearing Terrence for the first time myself, uh, I think I I found my life beginning to morph into something new. And Evan goes on to say, I wanted to write in today and ask if you had any more talks with Zoe 7 or where to find some. Also, I wanted to ask if you thought about producing one with Bill Hicks in it. I recently heard a soundbite in which Bill was talking about how it was our time to evolve into the compassionate race that we should be. Uh, it contains some very good psychedelic memes that I think would fit very nicely within the salon. Thank you once again for the time you've taken out of your life to spread these great vibrations. Well, Greg, uh, oh, first of all, thanks for the kind words. And uh, I'm not aware of any more talks by Zoe, 
but uh, I do know that he's been doing some intensive work in the Amazon these past few years. And so I hope that once he uh, returns from the jungle, uh, if he ever does, that we'll be able to uh, get him to tell us what he's been up to lately. And as for Bill Hicks, as much as I'd love to string together some of his uh, bits that are available on YouTube, I'm afraid that the copyright cops would be knocking on my door and telling me to remove the program from the net. But in case uh, you haven't heard some of the highly intelligent and topical humor of the late, great Bill Hicks, you simply don't know what you're missing. Uh, So check him out on YouTube if you get a chance. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Another thing I want to mention is uh, to thank all of you who have written a comment on iTunes about these podcasts or linking to us, uh, commenting about uh, programs on your websites, telling your friends about the salon. Uh, All of those things directly contribute to the growth of our worldwide psychedelic community. And uh, Abby Yo-Yo, I really enjoyed the comment you made where you said, you give me faith in the possibilities of aging. (laughs) Well, thanks for saying that. I I really appreciate it. And as uh, we just heard Dr. Leary say, you are only as old as the last time you changed your mind. And so uh, I think I'm going to go find something to change my mind about today. I also want to mention uh, Shine's Place, S-H-I-N-E-S-P-L-A-C-E, shinesplace.com, who is also linking to our site and posting some glowing reviews about these podcasts. All of those uh, little links and comments that you do uh, have a way of adding up, and ultimately one of your links might be the missing link for somebody who now knows that there are at least a lot of others out there. Another thing that I plan to make a little time for today is to revisit the suggested music thread uh, on our forum over at thegirlreport.com. In uh, one of those postings there, you will find a a link to the Amazon store over at uh, Opaque Lenses' website, www.shamanicfreedom.com. What he's doing is uh, posting Amazon links to all of the books that our fellow saloners are recommending in that thread. And while you can uh, obviously go directly to Amazon, uh, why not help out a fellow saloner and podcaster, Opaque Lens, by uh, buying a book or two through his store. Finally, uh, I want to mention a, an event that uh, will take place at the end of this week. Actually, I planned on getting this podcast out last Sunday so you could hear about this sooner, but uh, a whole series of unexpected interruptions prevented that. So this may be too late for you to uh, get this announcement, but uh, hopefully you'll still be able to make it if you live in the Bay Area. Here is uh, part of what the flyer announcing this event says. It's a party for Timothy Leary, friends and family. Please come. Now this event is going to take place at uh, 6.30 this coming Sunday, February 8th, 2009, at the uh, Minna Gallery, M-I-N-N-A, Minna Gallery on 2nd Street between Howard and Mission in San Francisco. And uh, there's going to be receptions, talks, a film. Uh, people like Ralph Metzner will be there, John Perry Barlow, Are You Serious, uh, uh, Zach Leary, Dennis Berry, uh, Brewster Kale. There's going to be a whole bunch of uh, interesting people there. Uh, and also they'll be announcing the launch of uh, several creative projects that use material from the Timothy Leary archives, uh, such as this movie, The Terrestrials, uh, which is a documentary uh, that will premiere right after the reception. And if you can make it to that event, uh, be sure to look for Bruce Damer. And uh, if he's got his voice recorder with him, uh, particularly, maybe you can uh, send a little soundbite to your fellow saloners. I'm hoping that there will be enough conversation recorded to provide an audio portrait of the event uh, here in the salon one day. 
But in any event, if you can't find any of the others there, well, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, because uh, there should be no one but others there. So if you attend, don't be shy. Introduce yourself to some people, and uh, who knows, you may meet your new best friend there this weekend. And while I can't make it up to San Francisco for this event myself, uh, you can rest assured that I'll be with you there in spirit. Now, as always, uh, I'll close this podcast by saying that uh, this and all of the podcasts from the Psychedelic Salon are uh, available for your use under the uh, Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharelike 3.0 license. And if you have any questions about that, just uh, click the Creative Commons link at the bottom of the Psychedelic Salon webpage, which you can find at psychedelicsalon.org. And that's uh, also where you'll find the program notes for these podcasts. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs>